Hello everyone and welcome to Shark's Pond, a South Park podcast. I am your host, Bill. Well, we are almost to the end of season 13. We have this week's episode and one more episode to go. And then we are done with season 13 and we'll be rolling into season 14, which means we will be getting very close to the 200th episode of South Park. So today, going to be reviewing an episode that has probably maybe the one of the best titles I can remember in a long, long time. And this is such a unique episode. It is Dances with Smurfs. Now, I'm going to get into a lot of things here in this episode, so I'm not going to make you guys wait any longer. Let's dive into this week's episode, Dances with Smurfs. The episode originally aired on November 11th, 2009, and was written and directed by Trey Parker. Now, normally, I don't play the beginning of the episode pardon me, or the opening scene. But this is an exception. This one is an exception. So, to set up the beginning of the episode, we are at the school, and the morning announcements are being read by a young lad by the name of Gordon Stoltzky, who got a name just this episode. What happens is one of the craziest, bizarre things to ever start a South Park episode. Good morning, South Park Elementary. These are the morning announcements. Parent-teacher conferences begin next Thursday. If you have not yet done so, please turn in your parents' requested timesheets by the end of the fifth period today. Lunch today will be a choice of chicken tostadas or spaghetti with a marinara sauce and side salad. Attention fourth graders. The fall registration for Glee Club starts tomorrow. Any interested student should fill out a... Whoa, what's going on? I'll kill you! Swear to God, I'll kill you! Who are you? I'm the man who's gonna put a bullet between your eyes! Hey, he's got a gun! You little bastard! You fucked my wife! You think I wouldn't find out? Sir, please, I don't know you! Yeah, right! Alright, what the hell is going on here? You, sir, need to leave this area hard. Oh, God, he shot him! You had to push me, didn't you? Yeah, the announcer is dead. So, because of this, 
there is an open vacancy for the morning announcements. Of course, they do this during the memorial to Gordon Stoltzky, which, okay, why would you do that? But anyway, so Cartman realizes this is his opportunity to make, you know, the, make the announcements, you know, get his voice be heard. So he goes to the auditions for the, the, the chance to be the reader for the morning announcements. So, at first, there's only one other kid that's going for it. And this kid, unfortunately, has a stutter, stuttering problem. So, and, and the kid is doing this because this is going to help his self-esteem. So, Mr. Mackey calls him in to read whatever he's going to read. As Cardman thinks, he's got this in the bag. Here comes a kid by the name of Casey Miller. He looks, he dresses, and he talks. Like Casey Kasem. Hi, I'm Casey Kasem. And today, I'm going to be talking about my biography. The biography of Casey Kasem. I was born on April 27, 1932, in Detroit, Michigan, where I was married two times. I had four beautiful kids. Some of you may remember me as the voice of Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, but you old people, you may remember me for American Top 40, where I would play the Top 40 hits of the week, and I would also read those special letters that you would write to me. I would read it like this. Dear Casey, Lately, my pet dog was ran over by a semi-automatic vehicle. Would you please play my favorite song that I would play for my dog? It's Raining Men. Well, Casey is going to do it. So anyway, more about Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem had a wonderful career. His first movie was 1967, First to Fight. It was a very minor role, and I never was credited. I made a bunch of cameos as myself, including the Ghostbusters. Remember that movie? Yeah. Also, Mr. Ron, Undercover Angel, the comedy team of Pete and James, and Quantum Quest, a Cassini Space Odyssey. But I was also on television. I was on television a lot. I was even on 17 episodes of Sesame Street. I'm Casey Kasem. Okay, so anyway, uh, Casey Kasem, he had one of the most recognizable voices on television and on radio. I mean, you could not avoid... Basically, if, if I had to put it in a way for the younger listeners, he was Ryan Seacrest before Ryan Seacrest. He and Dick Clark were neck and neck for the longest time. And Casey was so popular. He really, really was. So, Eric tells Mr. Mackey that, well, Casey made some derogatory remarks about his hair, and Cartman gets the job. So, Cartman starts reading the morning announcements, and he starts going 
against Wendy. He's saying everything negative about Wendy. Going, you know, questioning her leadership as the head of the student council. So he gets called over to the principal's office. And, you know, basically he's told, you have to read the script that is given to you. So Cartman threatens to get the ACLU to help protect his freedom of speech. And believe it or not, the next time that Cartman does the morning announcement, here's members of the ACLU right there to help him. So eventually, Cartman's morning announcement gig starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And it gets to a point where the morning announcements are shown on you know the school's TV and he even has this whole philosophy of why Wendy is trying to ruin the school and he circles the first letters of every word he has on the chalkboard and everything he circles ends up reading kill smurfs and now the whole idea is that Wendy's trying to kill the Smurfs. This is getting very far. Very, very far. Don't mess with the Smurfs. So Wendy gets confronted by Butters and a bunch of other kids, and she says she really doesn't care about Smurfs, which lets Butters start to believe that maybe Cartman is right. So... Cartman has a book signing for his book, What Happened to My Skew, at the cafeteria. And Stan gets really pissed about this because he refers to Wendy as a slut. But Cartman tells him to read the next page. And he's like, no, I'm not really. <coughs> so Stan talks to Wendy and Wendy's like, I'm not going to let him, I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to let him get to me. I'm not letting him get to me. Because ultimately, the goal for Eric is to have Wendy come on the morning announcements to do an interview. So, so Cartman gets called in by Principal Victoria, Mr. Mackey again, and they have a, a disagreement about what's going on. And Cartman's thinking that, you know, Principal Victoria and Mr. Mackey are supporting Wendy. And it gets so bad to the point that Cartman runs out and cries. Then we go to the next day. We go to the next day of school. And... Once again, we see the morning announcements, you know, video style, Cartman doing the morning announcements. And what he does is, well, let's just say this. If the news could be stretched out to tell lies, this would be a perfect example of it. 
announcements. Here is Eric Kaufman. Yesterday, as most of you know, I walked out on this program and on our skew. I was so fed up with our president's hypocrisies, me not being allowed to sell my book. I wanted to live in a place where my values were still upheld. And so I decided to leave it all behind and instead go and live with the Smurfs. I simply observed the gentle Smurfs at first. I wanted to understand how they could live such simple and decent lives. They were wary of me at the beginning, but slowly I began to earn their trust. It wasn't long before the gentle Smurfs accepted me as one of their own. and I grew to understand each other. They shared with me their art of picking Smurf berries. And I shared with them stories of my country's forefathers. Of course, it wasn't long before I fell in love with Smurfette. We were from two different worlds, and yet we spoke the common language of passion. These are the morning announcements. Shh! Papa Smurf was displeased at first. He told Smurfette I wasn't a real Smurf and we could never be happy. But I eventually proved myself to Papa Smurf by picking more Smurf berries than any Smurf had ever Smurfed before. Finally, all was right with the world. But then, a crisis. Clumsy Smurf burst into the Smurf ceremony to say that humans had come to destroy all of Smurfland. No! No, you must leave the noble Smurfs alone! Who's behind all this? I should have known. Windy! Out of my way! Windy, what are you doing here? Smurf berries are worth a lot of money! With all those Smurf berries, I could power the skew for the entire year! Windy, I know you're president of our skew, but you can't just dig up the Smurf land! Fuck the Smurfs! What I find funny about that bit, besides the whole telling of the Smurf story, is that Cartman promotes his movie for DVD, which back at the beginning of this decade in the 2000s, they didn't have DVDs. They didn't have DVD players. Remember that? When they wanted to watch Lion King and Tuggett brings it on DVD and he's like, we don't have DVDs. So anyway, I want to dive a little bit more into the Smurfs. And the Smurfs, they've been a big cultural phenomenon in the United States for the last 40 years. They had the TV show, which ran basically for the entire decade, except for 1980. There are two Smurf movies... And there's a new version of the Smurfs uh, that's currently up on Nickelodeon. But the Smurfs were created by a Belgian comic, a comic artist, pardon me, by the name of Peyo, 
which is the pen name of Pierre Colifert. The, the word Smurf is the original Dutch translation of the French Strumpf, which, according to Peyo, is a word he invented during a meal with fellow cartoonist Andre Franquin when he could not remember the word salt. So, you know, it starts in Europe, and then eventually it makes its way over to the United States. It takes a while for this to become a thing in the U.S. Like, it takes a while, but once it does... It is so popular. It there's Smurfs everywhere. You can any merchandise in the '80s. There is Smurf memorabilia still to this day. Um, do I have a favorite Smurf? If if I had a favorite Smurf, it probably would be Brainy Smurf, only because. He would get kicked out all the time. <laughs> so, um, there were a lot of Smurf video games. Um, they were released for just about every system you could think of in the 80s and the 90s. The Nintendo, the Super Nintendo, the Game Boy, Atari, ColecoVision, Sega Game Gear, Master System, Mega Drive, Mega CD, and the original PlayStation. And I could even tell you, you know, here in the Washington area, the Washington, D.C. area, during the 1982 run of the Washington Redskins going to the Super Bowl that year, some of their wide receivers were considered, or they were called Smurfs because of the size of the wide receivers. They were short, so Smurfs were a very popular thing. So... Now we're getting to the point where, you know, Butters is gathering people up to kind of rally around Cartman and try to go, you know, get Wendy taken down, basically. So Butters forms a group and they go to Wendy's house. And what does Butters do? He pees on the front door of her house so wendy sees this and then wendy's dad catches him and they run away and butters is running pants down bottom out it is absolutely funny so wendy decides well there's no other choice i have to do what i have to do i have to take care of this so she agrees to go on the morning announcements and this is Cartman's opportunity. This is Cartman's chance to get Wendy. So they start off normal conversation, and then Cartman tries, you know, to go in for the kill on Wendy. But Wendy counter, you know, counteracts Cartman's move by saying, "Yes, we did have to take Smurf berries. One." basket of smurf berries gives us two months worth of money <clears throat> and it keeps going and going and going to the point where wendy resigns from her position as the president of the student council and names cartman 
the new president. And Wendy tells Cartman that she wrote a book about her situation, her time dealing with the Smurfs, and that someone has already bought the rights to the book. And the person that bought the rights to the book is James Cameron. And he turns that book into the movie Avatar. And Cartman is so upset, he goes he goes to see the movie, and he's yelling, and he's flipping off the movie theater, and he's like, You stole my idea! You stole my idea! And he's just upset about it. So we get to school the next day. Cartman is upset because now that he is the student body president, he can no longer do the morning announcements. And who gets to do the morning announcements? I'm Casey Miller. Today I've got a letter from a second grader. So Casey reads the letter talking about how Cartman's not doing a good job and Cartman just runs off crying, I'm doing the best I can! And that is the end of Dances with Smurfs. Before I get into the episode, I do want to talk about the movie Avatar because Avatar comes out a few weeks after this episode airs. So... This episode premiered on November 11th. The movie is released in the UK on December 10th and then is released in the US on December the 18th. This is a big movie. They had a budget of $237 million. It grossed over 2.8 billion dollars at the box office it is one of the most financially successful movies of all time and this movie is maybe james cameron's biggest movie since titanic and it's a long movie if you've never seen this movie it is a long long movie it's almost three hours it is an almost three hour movie um the movie would end up being nominated for nine academy awards including best picture and best director but did not win either one interesting huh because the winner of best picture which is the hurt locker was directed by the winner of Best Director that year, Catherine Bigelow, who, oh, by the way, happened to be James Cameron's ex-wife. So kind of a big up yours to, to uh, James Cameron there. Not only does he lose Best Director... But he also loses Best Picture to his ex-wife. How how wonderful, how wonderfully evil that is. Um, so the other, I, I do want to mention, the other nominees that year for Best Picture. Mentioned The Hurt Locker, mentioned Avatar. The Blind Side, 
District 9, An Education, Inglorious Bastards, Precious, A Serious Man, Up, and Up in the Air. Those are the nominees for Best Picture that year. That year alone. That's a... What the? That's a that's a hell of a list right there for best picture. Unbelievable. Uh, as far as the episode goes, this is a crazy episode. It really is. But it's kind of a good episode of Cartman against Wendy. But here it's more of, you know, Cartman is just stirring it up just to stir it up. He's not doing it because Wendy is for something or against something. The opening to this episode is one of the funniest openings I think I've seen in a long, long time on this show. And that's saying something. So, based on the opening of this alone, the Dances with Smurfs scene, and then the finale... I'm going to give this an 8. It's a solid 8 out of 10 for me. Now, one more thing I do want to mention before we get to um, a couple of other things. Dances with Wolves. Obviously, that's what this episode, is. the, the, the title is parodied off, is Dances with Wolves, which came out in 1990. And this is a famous film because of Kevin Costner being the star of the movie and the story of him you know eventually joining this Indian tribe kind of like the scene earlier with Cartman joining the Smurfs so this movie gets nominated for 12 Academy Awards and ends up winning seven that year including the big one best picture I want to tell you all the other nominees that year for Best Picture. And you tell me if Dances with Wolves should have won Best Picture that year. Awakenings. Ghost. The Godfather Part 3. And Goodfellas. Yeah. Think about that. All of those movies. Those five. And Dances with Wolves ends up winning Best Picture that year. It is... It's crazy. It, it is crazy. Um, I have not seen Dances with Wolves. My family has seen it many, many times. And they really love the movie. So I can't say at the moment if... I think they got it right, or if they got it wrong. Uh, but I love Goodfellas. Goodfellas is an awesome movie. If you haven't checked it out, please go. Please check it out. It is. It is worth watching. So, Dances with Wolves had a $22 million budget, made over $424 million at the box office. Okay, so... Uh, besides Dances with Wolves, the whole 
get all Cartman thing. This is based off the Glenn Beck TV program when Glenn Beck was on Fox News. And Glenn Beck was very anti-Obama. And that's really where this all comes from. So the other thing or the other parody that I haven't mentioned is Wendy's book Going Rogue on the Smurfs is a reference to Going Rogue and American Life, which is the 2009 autobiography of former vice president candidate Sarah Palin, who had recently announced her resignation as the governor of Alaska. All right, let's go to reception from the critics. This episode was watched by 1.47 million households among 18, or viewers 18 to 34. It ranked behind a, a special 90-minute episode of Sons of Anarchy as the most-watched cable program of the week. So it was only beaten by one show. That's pretty good. The episode received generally positive reviews. Ramsey Eisler of IGN said Cartman worked well for a Beck satire and said... The real accomplishment of this episode is how it totally roasted a semi-political figure without being political at all. However, Eisler said the script loses focus with the appearance of the Smurfs and that Gordon's death was disturbing and inappropriate in the light of recent school shootings in the United States. Sean O'Neill of the AV Club wrote a vocal, who was a vocal critic of Beck, said mocking Beck is an easy task but the episode handled it with just enough of the show's usual surrealist bent that it was never wholly predictable. He praised some of the episode's unexpected elements, like Cartman's Smurf film and Wendy's surprise resignation. Carlos Delgado of If Magazine said, Dances with Smurfs became a little strange, starting with Cartman's Smurf story, but he called the episode smart, sharp, and poignant. Delgado said the episode had less laugh-out-loud humor than traditional South Park episodes in favor of intelligent satire. And Donald Dean, a writer for AOL Television, called it one of the funniest episodes of the season. Alright, let's go to IMDB and see what they thought of this episode. Over 2,000 people rated this episode, and the average rating is an 8.2 out of 10. 439 people gave it a 10, 449 people gave it a 9, 615 people gave it an 8, that's going to be the score I give this episode, and 52 people gave it a 1. To break it down into demographs, or demographics, over 1,400 males rated this episode, with the average rating being an 8.1. Its highest demographic is 18 to 29, with an average rating of an 8.4. Meanwhile, for females... The average rating is an 8.3, with the average rating being an 8.4 between 18 to 29, 30 to 44, and 45 and up. So again, this is another episode where the females like this episode more. Alright, let's check out these reviews uh, gonna start with a new one. This is from Pangus910, who wrote this in 2020, and wrote, Wow, from 2009 all the way to 2020, mainstream news lie and lie and cheat. 
Gangsta Hippie wrote, Dances with Smurfs is the second to last episode of season 13. This season so far has been great, an improvement over season 12 in my opinion. There were some mediocre episodes, but a lot of them were great. This one is no exception. The kid who announces the morning announcements gets killed by some guy who mistakes him for another person with the same name. So then Cartman becomes the morning announcements reader. Instead of just reading them, he puts his own input into the announcements. He talks about how the school is declining. His biggest target is school president Wendy, thinking she has more power than she actually does. The principal tell him not to do this, but he will not listen. Eventually, most of the school turn against Wendy and she appears on Cartman's morning announcements as a guest, but she does something quite surprising. The title comes from a propaganda piece Cartman makes up about him going undercover with the Smurfs and how Wendy kills them all for their Smurf berries. This is another episode that spoofs politics and the media. Smart and interesting episode. Season 13 is going fairly strong and next week's episode is the season finale. Hopefully, Trey and Matt keep up the good work. Alright. Uh, I'm, you know what? I'm going to save Rain Dog Jr. for the next episode because Rain Dog Jr. usually does a good job of summarizing an entire season. So that's what I'm going to do for the next episode. So, if you'd like to follow the show on Twitter, it is SharksPond97. You could join our Facebook group, Sharks Pond, a South Park podcast. Type that in the search bar and you are right there. And if you can't find it, it's okay. I put the link in the description of each and every episode. Well, like Gangsta Hippie said, next week is the season 13 finale of South Park. And what a better way to, sit, to spend it than by going to the pool? Yeah, we're going to the pool next week. This is how season 13 ends, because the episode is P. <sighs> yeah, that's, that's how this season ends. Well, hopefully it'll be as good as this week's episode. Thank you all for tuning in, and thank you for listening to another episode of Shark's Pond, a South Park podcast. I am Bill, and I'll talk to you all next week.